Hi, and welcome to Resurrection Church, where Dr. Joseph G. Matera is the senior pastor and presiding bishop. We are committed to serving our community and the community abroad. We pray that the word you are about to hear will be a blessing to your life and that you allow the Holy Spirit to open your heart and receive what the Lord is speaking to you. Cool. Hey, um, if you got your scripture, if you guys would jump with me to John chapter 15, we're going to dive right in and uh, I will make sure to end on time. Uh, That is my commitment to you guys. Um, But we have been in a collection of talks called uh, Seven, where we've been going through the seven I am statements of Jesus Christ. And today, this one is probably my favorite one. Um, It's in between this one and the one we did last week, I am the light of the world. And uh, and the the reason being is because, man, there's so much of our faith that really just speaks to this particular passage right here. Um, it kind of is at the root of our faith. Uh, and what's significant about Jesus whenever he's saying this is he's saying this right before, literally hours before he is betrayed, hours before he is arrested, hours before he is trialed, um, and then hours before he is ultimately executed uh, for you and for me. And so it's, it's, it's very weighty. Uh, what he's saying, and my hope today is that uh, we're going to take more of a practical approach and that we just take this and walk away, and God uses it to help grow our faith. So John 15, verses 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branch. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's pray real quick. God, I just thank you for today, and I just ask that as we dive into your word, uh, that you would just speak to us, God, that it would be your word coming forth. Father, I thank you for um, your direction and for your gospel, and I just ask that ultimately that is what is being uh, shared today. Father, your word, your gospel, and your will. Uh, In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. Amen. All right, um, so feel free to shout me down. Maybe, a, I don't know, it won't be a very shouty message, but we'll, we'll see. All right, diving into it. Jesus says, I am the vine. I am the vine. Uh, and, and that's a very significant statement, especially if you're someone who is in the Jewish culture or in the, a Jewish audience in there. Because oftentimes throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament, uh, you would see that the vine would be referenced for the people of God or for the Jewish people, the Israelites. And, and usually whenever it was referenced, I am the vine, or you are the vine, talking about the nation of Israel, the people of God, <clears throat> you are the vine, it was usually referenced in God's uh, wrath or God's judgment. And so the Israelites, they would try to do so much to be able to obtain righteousness, they would then slip and fall into sin, and then from there they would end up um, really giving themselves over to idol worship, to other gods and stuff, and then God would bring this up saying, you know, he's going he's to take 
the vine, he's going to take the branches, he's going to take all that, and, and you know, his judgment will be on it. And so this became something of, that was very negative to the Israelites and to the Jewish people, that whenever they would hear this, they would automatically think of God's judgment and God's wrath. And then Jesus steps up on the scene here, and he says this, this very bold statement, and, and, and to the people, they knew what it would mean, I am the vine. Jesus saying, I am the vine. And essentially, it's him saying, hey, I got this. I got this. I'm going to do what you guys could not do. I'm going to do what you guys could not do. And I think that ultimately, Jesus is what we cannot be. Jesus is what we cannot be. You fail. You mess up. You're going to sin. Um, we cannot hit God's righteous standard. Like, like, as hard as we try, we're going to slip up. And most of the time, we can't even hit our own standard as well. Like, for, for me, look, I'm, can, can I, look, it's 1230, so I'm just going to be very transparent with you guys, all right? And you just have to deal with it. Do you know how many times I've said I'm going to start eating healthy? I'm going to go on keto. Don't, don't judge me. Don't judge me. I rebuke you. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to go back to the gym. I, look, I used to swim two times a day. I was in excellent shape. I haven't been to the gym in literally a year. And I literally keep telling myself, I literally had, the, I had this conversation with my wife. Honey, Monday is going to be a new week. It's a new day. Do you know what's going to happen on Monday? I'm probably not going to do what I told myself I would do. So if I can't even keep my own standard... How is it that we expect other people to keep God's righteous standard? And that's where Jesus steps in on this, and he essentially says, hey, I got this. I'm going to do what you could not do. Verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser, or the vine keeper. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And, and, and so I think that this is important for us to understand. To be a Christ follower, to be a Christian that is connected to the vine, we have to bear fruit. Like we actually have to bear fruit and, and, and produce something. And, and I'm not talking about the fruit of like big churches or lots of money. I'm talking about the fruit of Galatians chapter 5, which is patience and joy and gentleness and self-control. Self-control. Like, come on, that's, that's, a, that's a hard one right there. Any of you guys ever heard of the Enneagram test? Any, any of you, some, put your hands up. I know I can see y'all. Y'all can see. All right, so everyone up here. Um, the Enneagram test, here's, I'm all about personality tests and Enneagrams and, and PI, and there's also the working genius, which is a new one that I like, and you've got the DIS test. Did I miss any? Strength finders test. You got strength finders. You have all these different personality tests. But oftentimes, people will take these personality tests, and it will say, you might be brash or come across rude to people, right? And then you say, oh, that's just my personality. 
And so then whenever you're a jerk to someone, you equate it, oh, that's just my personality, instead of actually taking responsibility, especially as a Christian, and walking in the fruit of the Spirit that should be coming and being produced out of you. Down in, down in Texas, um, my friends down there, you know, you know how up here people will introduce themselves and it's like, oh, I'm Michael and I'm, you know, I'm Scottish or, you know, I'm, I'm somebody and I'm Italian or, or they would kind of associate their heritage whenever they would introduce themselves down in Texas. It's like, oh, I'm Michael. I'm a three which is referencing the Enneagram. Or, oh, I'm David, and I'm a five. And like, oh, well, number five, you're not going to get along with number eight over here, and there's going to be this clash and this tension. Many times, people, we, we just get sucked into this personality thing, and we allow that to be an excuse instead of walking in what God has called us to do. We allow it to be an excuse instead of walking in what God has called us to do. And so what does Jesus do? He comes in and he starts to cut back. He cuts back so that ultimately we can bear more fruit. My mom, my mom uh, had this tree in our front yard one time. And it was a tree that was withering and fading away. And my mom decided, you know what, we need to, we need to save this tree. And so she went to this tree and, and she dug all around it. And I say it wasn't a big tree. It was like two feet, three feet tall, you know. Um, but it was very malnourished, and, and so she dug around it, lifted it out, replaced the soil, put the, the tree back in there, and then she took some trimming shears, and she literally started cutting back every branch on that tree. And as a five- or a six-year-old, it made no sense to me. Why would you do that? You're trying to help the tree to live, and so you're cutting it back? And she said, Michael, in order for something to be able to bring forth what it's intended to, sometimes the gardener has to cut it back. And in our lives, in order for us to bring forth what it is that God has intended for us, hear me out, sometimes the gardener has to go in and cut back so that you could bear more fruit. Verse 3. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And it's essentially what that's saying is there's nothing that you can do to obtain your salvation. Christ is the one who does that for you. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. He says it again. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I want to ask us this before I get into a very practical application of this text. What is your focus? What is your focus? Because in our world and in our culture, especially here in America, our focus for so long has been on what is the stock market doing? Or how much we have in our bank account? Or how nice of an apartment or a house I have? Or um, whatever materialistic thing that we want to pres present in front of us, that has been our focus. How much 
of an education can I have? How many doctorate degrees or how many letters can I have in front of my actual name, right? And, and so we've started to equate our identity and our worth to these, uh, what we would call the fruit of our life, these extra things, and ultimately we have lost focus of what is truly important, and that is being connected and staying assured with our relationship with Jesus Christ. We get, we get so focused on, like Instagram, hello, Instagram. It's like, how many followers do you have? How many likes do you get? And if you don't have enough followers or your likes start to taper off, then the algorithm starts to mess up. And then you got to go in there and they, they literally suck you into this content creating machine that is trying to fill some kind of void that we have. And we get so focused on that instead of being focused on the source of all things. What Jesus says here, saying, I am the vine, I am the vine, focus on me, it is countercultural to, 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 to the way that our society talks about. It is countercultural to what our society says. He's saying, the world says this, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get focused on me, focused on the source. And so that brings us to this question, how do we, Christ is the vine, how do we abide in the vine? And this is where I want to get very practical for the next seven to ten minutes as we wrap this up. How do we abide in the vine? I, I, I think that oftentimes we think that once we become a Christian, things are going to be great and like life is going to be amazing and there's going to be unicorns and trumpets and all these you know, fanfare around us, and everything's going to be perfect because you're a Christ follower, and we forget that there is a battle that we are in, that there's a battle between heaven and, and, and hell, that there's a battle between light and darkness, and that Jesus has ultimately invited us into the restoration of all things, us uh, you know, coming into his will of the restoration of all things. And so he's invited us into it, and there's some things that we need to do to make sure that we are abiding in the vine. If we want all of this out here to happen, what we do has got to be so incredibly focused on getting connected to Christ. And, and so the first thing I would say is, renew your mind. Renew your mind. Being transformed. You are transformed by the renewing of your mind, Scripture says. Scripture also says to meditate on these words day and night. Let them not to, to depart from you. And so there's this idea that in our lives we have got to be, if we, if we catch ourselves drifting a little bit or if we catch ourselves thinking uh, maybe a way we wouldn't want to think, we have to just pause and we have to allow ourselves, allow our mind to be renewed, to renew our mind. Uh, number two is to direct your will or your actions to align with his will and his actions. Direct your will. So if we're constantly renewing our mind, then our will and our actions should be aligned with his will and his actions. And, and, and let me kind of give you an example of this. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane did not just wake up and just be like, you know what? It's a beautiful day and the joy of the Lord is my strength. Let's go get crucified today, right? Like, he didn't, like let me go. He did not wake up that way. He did not. This is where you see his humanity. Jesus went to the garden and he said, God, this is such a heavy cup. Lord, let it pass if all possible. Like, 
Like, please, I don't want to die. Jesus did not want to die the way that he died. He knew what was ahead of him. And he was pleading with the Heavenly Father not to do it. And what did he say? He said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And and it got to a point that he literally was sweating blood because he was wrestling with this. Because of the torment that he was about to experience. But ultimately, what happened? Jesus went to the cross. If anything in your life and in my life is out of the will of God, man, this should be easy for us to be able to recognize it. Let me me kind of put it this way. If there is anything in your life that is out of the will of making disciples, which God has called all of us to do, then it is not in line with God. And we need to redirect that. Now, you might be saying, well, Michael, how do I make disciples at work? It's simple. You practice the fruit of the Spirit. You love people. You walk in humility. But we should be able to make disciples at work, at school, at at, um, university. I don't know about the subway. The subway is like a different place. I'm just, I'm learning this. You want to talk about sanctification, just go ride the D train. That's what I've learned, all right? Um, I was almost late to church this morning because of that. But anyways, uh, but like, you, you, where was I going with this? I totally got sidetracked right there. Anything, if we are not making disciples in whatever environment that God has placed us in, man, we are missing an opportunity to be in the will of God. We are missing an opportunity. Number three, transformation or transform our affection. And so you've got renewing your mind in Christ, redirecting your wills and your action to align with him, and then allowing transformation and, and our affection to come out, which is the fruit of the Spirit. And this all boils down to the only way, the only way that you're going to be able to consistently do this is if you and I develop routines and patterns in our life. Routines and patterns in our life. And here's the thing. Every day, you start off with the same routine. It might look a little different, but you're going to wake up, you're going to brush your teeth, you're going to go for me, I go downstairs, I fix a cup of coffee, I don't even talk to the kids or the family, they're like, hey dad, hey dad, and I'm like, get behind thee, you know, I get my coffee, and once I've had about two sips, I sit down, I say, good morning, how are you, you know, like, but we all have our own routines, every day we are faced with this moment of choice, the moment that our feet hit the ground, we are given an option. Are we going to abide in the vine? Are we going to abide in Christ? Or are we not? It's that it. That's it. it. It's that simple. And so my challenge for us, these next couple things, is just some very, very practical things that we can do to help all of us abide in the vine. Create systems or disciplines, or rhythms, or routines in your life that will help to cultivate your relationship with Christ. Um, Set aside, number one, set aside daily time in the Scripture. Daily time in the Scripture. And, And here's a few practical things. Take what we talk about on Sundays and dive into it throughout the week. Like, we're in John chapter 15. Instead of spending time in five verses, why don't you read the whole chapter? Why don't you take every day and, and, you know, break the chapter apart and just spend this entire week focusing on John chapter 15 and get into 
the Word of God. A- another option that, that's out there is, is on your phone, you've got the Version smart app that you can download. It's free. And you can go and you can get daily devotional plans for literally almost any category out there. Um, you want to have a devotional plan on relationships, it's out there. You're dealing with anxiety and fear, they've got a 21-day devotional plan to help you overcome anxiety and fear, it's out there. You want to have a devotional plan on finances, like it's going to be out there. How to manage your money, how to grow in your affection with Christ, fasting, they literally have got a devotional plan out there for you to follow on your phone that you can get for free. And taking these small steps, doing these small steps, creating that environment, creating that environment. The, the, the other thing is, um, is just cr- uh, cultivating that environment. Cultivating that environment. Small things that we can do, like putting on worship music, right? Putting on worship music instead of blasting whoever we want to blast. But like, have you ever noticed, if if you just wake up, you start your day, you're going about it, and you like start filling your mind with a bunch of music that is so degrading, or if it's country music, it's talking about your ex and your dog, and that's just depressing. If it's, I don't like country music, all right? I'm just going to say that. (laughs) Just throw that out there. Like, it's all the same thing. My dog, my girlfriend left me, and let's go, let's go ride a horse. <laughs> I'm being real. Invite your friends next week. <laughs> but, like, you're putting that in your mind? How depressed. And someone sees you, and it's like, Michael, how's your day going? My dog died. My wife left me, you know. <laughs> But that's sometimes, that's what it's like. But imagine if you're just cruising down the road or you're sitting on the train and listening to your AirPods and you just start filling it with worship unto the Lord. I, I literally, Tuesday, this was my challenge. I was coming in to Brooklyn. I was on the D train coming over the Manhattan Bridge and I was listening to something else. And I was like, you know, why am I listening to this junk? And I just turned on and started filling my mind with worship music. It can shift your entire day. It can shift your entire atmosphere. And it can shift the atmosphere of those around you as well. That's why you see places that are holy like Chick-fil-A. And they are holy. They're closed on Sundays too. But if you ever go inside a Chick-fil-A, which you can't do, you haven't been able to do in a year, but you go back into a Chick-fil-A maybe a month or two from now, and you're sitting there and you start listening, you're going to hear music, and you're going to start humming that music because you've heard it in church. They literally play worship music in their restaurants because they want their guest to experience a different atmosphere when they go in there. That's why it is the Mecca. That is why it is the holy place, okay? That's a joke for the record. I hope that this one's not going up on the podcast. (laughs) Parents, pray, read, create rhythms with your children. Pray, read, create, look for teaching opportunities to be able to teach your children and, and to cultivate that spiritual growth. 
And then lastly, what we can all do is just to be more self-aware. Self-aware of where we are. If we start to catch ourselves drifting just a little bit, we go back to, no, I'm going to renew my mind right now in this decision. I'm going to renew my mind. God, I'm so frustrated. I need you to search my heart. Why am I frustrated? Why am I annoyed? Why am I... And what you do whenever you become self-aware is you're recalibrating your heart to get connected to the vine. And here Jesus says, I am the vine. You can't produce anything without me. There's nothing that you can do and that I can do that is going to bring glory to God without being connected to the vine, to the source. I was talking to a friend, Travis, and I'll close with this story. Talking to a friend, Travis, this past week. We were talking about this this conversation right here, John 15, and how he's doing and how I'm doing, and the highlights of what God's doing and some of the things that we're wrestling with, we're struggling, which I would encourage you guys, have conversations with other Christians. It's a good thing. And, and, and he said, you know, Michael, here's my prayer every day. This is his prayer, that he would fear God, he would love Jesus, obey the Holy Spirit, he would weep for the lost, that he would live humble and holy and be full of faith and fire. And I was like, dude, that's such a good prayer. And he goes, well, the problem is I'm not weeping for the lost. And so God is working on me in that area. That's simply just being self-aware. Self-aware and allowing that self-awareness to redirect yourself to the source of all things, to the vine. Let me pray for us. If you guys would just stand. We're going to sing one more song and then Santi's going to come up and dismiss. Father, God, I just ask that you would help us all to be connected to your source. God, that you would help all of us to be connected to the vine. You are the source of all things. God, we renew our minds with you right now. We align our will with your will. Father, transform our hearts. Transform our passions, God. Let us be totally surrendered to you as the source and create in us something new. In Jesus' name, let's worship together. Amen. We pray that you were blessed by this word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at resurrectionchurchofny.com or give us a call at 718-436-0242. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at reschurchnyc. Take care and God bless.